Join Global Genes in Irvine, California, September 14th and 15th for the 6th Annual Rare Patient Advocacy Summit. The event brings together patients, caregivers, advocates, and rare disease stakeholders to learn, connect, share, and partner. To learn more, go to globalgenes.org forward slash 2017 summit. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is Rarecast. A group of 20-somethings backpacking their way through Europe may not sound unusual, but for Kevin Chandler and his friends, their trip in 2016 was by no means a typical backpacking adventure. Chandler, born with the rare neuromuscular condition, spinal muscular atrophy, has been wheelchair-bound for most of his life. Because the planned trip included several places that were not wheelchair-accessible, the friends decided to rig a backpack to carry Chandler and leave the wheelchair at home. We spoke to Chandler about the journey, how it led to the creation of the nonprofit We Carry Kevin, and why he's working to change the way people think about accessibility and dependency. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. We're going to talk about spinal muscular atrophy, uh, an unusual trip you and your friends made through Europe, and what can be learned from that. Uh, I'd like to start with spinal muscular atrophy for people not familiar with it. What is it, and, and how does the disease progress? Um, sure. So it's a neuromuscular disease, and um, the kind of the basic gist is that uh, there's kind of a glitch in the spinal cord to send a message from the brain to the limbs, and uh, so it, it doesn't really get there properly. And so muscles uh, atrophy over time as a result. And that just leads to all sorts of fun issues <laughs> over time. And for you personally, what has that meant? Um, so that means uh, when I was uh, really young, like when I should have started walking, um, I wasn't able to. And um, so I've been in a wheelchair for about uh, 26 years, 27 years. And um, I also have lost a lot of uh, strength in my arms over the years, and um, so, uh, for example, my right arm doesn't work at all, um, so, yeah, and I have trouble with my balance and uh, respiratory system and um, all, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> and, and how much do you weigh? Uh, I weigh 65 pounds. 65 pounds. A, a few years ago, you and some of your friends started talking about making a trip to Europe. How did that discussion come about, and, and how did it evolve? <laughs> so uh, my uh, my friends and I do a lot of adventuring in general. We do a lot of road trips, and, um, uh, you know, we spend time at each other's houses, and they're not always handicapped accessible, so they just take me under my chair and carry me where we need to. Um, and uh, so 
uh, a couple of years ago, I just said, hey, you know, I'm thinking about going to Europe, seeing things that are definitely not going to be accessible. And, um, you know, would you guys be willing to work that out with me and figure out how to do that? So we, um, we started working into uh, a backpack that we could use and ended up finding kind of a base model that we were able to modify and add on to and um, started booking the trip and uh, did a fundraiser and uh, we just kind of, you know, voiced it and then never looked back, just kind of pushed through. You say you modified the, the backpack. What, what did you do to it, actually? Uh, so we started with a toddler carrier um, that is designed by a company called Deuter. Uh, they're based in Germany, 35th outdoor gear backpack company. And um, it was a good start, but um, we definitely needed to redesign the seat um, to, to fit me because I'm not a toddler. And uh, so it just needed a, a broader seat with more support. Um, and then there were a few things as far as buckles and um, reworking straps and adding a neck support. Um, moving syrups because my legs are longer than a toddler's legs. And, um, yeah, just all that kind of uh, modification. And, and during the trip, did you use a wheelchair at all, or was this trip done entirely without the use of a wheelchair? Uh, we ended up deciding to not use the wheelchair at all. So um, we left my chair at the airport in Atlanta, and um, we you know, got on the plane and, uh, for three weeks, didn't have the chair. Was that a, a point of anxiety at all for you, or were, were you confident this um, wasn't going to be a problem? You know, I think it would have been, except that uh, for the few months before, when we were kind of training with the backpack and getting used to it, I had gotten used to not being in my wheelchair. Um, so it was a it was a bigger scale because it was a longer period of time, but it was definitely, um, I was used to it by then. And, and I, I really trusted the guys I was with. So. And, and I, I, I imagine that you're, you're not only sitting higher when you're in the backpack, but you're also facing backwards. Is, is that a different way to experience the world for you? Um, I'm actually facing forward. I'm, oh, you are I'm facing forward. Direction. Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely a point of conversation. We, uh, we're all, of course, Star Wars fans, so we refer to it as, do we have a C-3PO pack where I'm facing backwards, or is it a, a Yoda pack where I'm facing forwards? So, uh, yeah, that was definitely a part of the conversation. And um, so I was facing forward, and then I was about, um, I could see over my friend's um, head, like whoever was carrying me. So I was pretty high up. And you made the trip over three weeks in a summer of 2016. Where, where did you travel? Uh, we went to France, uh, England, and Ireland, and we did a week in each country. And what were some of the places you were able to to access going this way without the chair that you wouldn't otherwise have been able to do? Um, you know, it was interesting. There were some different um, varieties in that, uh, you know, we we started off in Paris, which was cool because, you know, the streets are fine and sidewalks, and so in that sense it's successful, but we could also 
to go into any building um, or up any floor in a building without really worrying about where's the elevator, is there a ramp. Um, we could use the subway system without worrying about it. Um, so that was cool just as like an everyday life aspect. But then, uh, for example, in England, we, uh, we went for a, a six-mile hike one day uh, with a friend of ours. And we went through fields and woods and climbed over fences and, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, went through alleyways where a wheelchair definitely wouldn't fit. And, um, so yeah, we had different experiences, um, in different levels of accessibility. And then we ended the trip, uh, by going to Stella's Michael, which is a, an island, uh, off the coast of Ireland, uh, where there's a, monastery from uh, the 6th century, and um, that was definitely not accessible, <laughs> all the way from the dock to the uh, going out to the island and then climbing uh, the 600 steps to get to the top. So. You were able to do a variety of things you wouldn't otherwise be able to do, but at the same time, I, I imagine you're, you're fairly captive. Was this a liberating experience, or, or did you feel confined? Um, I, I really, I felt, uh, a great freedom in it, but I also realized during the trip that I had traded, uh, like you are kind of saying, like I traded, uh, one freedom for another. So now that I was in the backpack and on my friend's back, I could, uh, literally go anywhere, but, um, I couldn't go by myself and, uh, I, I couldn't just go on my own whim. Uh, you know, it had to be a communication and a, a team effort um, between friends, uh, which is definitely not a bad thing. It's just different. So, um, yeah, well, that experience. From a logistical point of view, what were the, the biggest challenges? Oh, man, the biggest challenges, um, you know, for a while there, we we thought that they weren't going to let us go on Stellar uh, Michael um, because of, being in a backpack and it, it is a, a dangerous hike and they said, you know, we, we don't normally allow people to carry other people. It's, it's kind of dangerous. And, um, so that was one we had to convince them that we knew what we were doing and, um, other logistics. I mean, raising the funds to go on the trip, um, booking the, the right flight because we had a few of us flew out of Atlanta together, but then we had a guy meeting us who was flying out of Washington State, and then another guy uh, flew out of um, Indiana and met us as well, and so coordinating all of that, um, fortunately, there were some guys on the team who are much more organized than I am, and uh, much better with those sort of logistics. Obviously, you were traveling with friends, but what do you think your friends got out of this experience, and, and was there something they didn't expect that they they got from it? Oh, that would be that would be a good question for uh, them to answer. But um, I, I could say from our conversation, um, you know, there's the the surface level uh, blessing that they got in that they were able to be somewhere that they wouldn't have otherwise been. Um, you know, that we were able to. Um, I invited them into this, and so they were like, oh, wow, we're in France, and we're in Ireland, you know, and, um, and so that was a, a great adventure for them, but then 
also, you know, on the deeper level, they had the opportunity to, um, to serve. And, um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just a trip, um, fun and whimsy for them. It was, um, a trip that came with purpose and heart, uh, that they could really pour into and, uh, had a lot of meaning to them. It just was a, a rich experience, I think, for all of us. Well, this is a powerful metaphor, but your trip has also evolved into a life beyond itself. You're establishing We Carry Kevin, a freestanding nonprofit that developed out of this experience. What does We Carry Kevin do? Um, well, you know, like you said, it's, it's definitely evolved from the trip um, in that, uh, you know, for me personally, uh, my my view of the world has been opened up where, excuse me, where I can uh, go to someone's house or go to any place in uh, in the world and not have to worry about whether it's accessible because I know I have people and I have a, a backpack, I have resources uh, to realize that the world is really accessible if you get creative with it. And, uh, and you have people to help you. And so, um, through that, uh, it's become a lifestyle rather than just a one-time adventure. And, um, so what we Sherry Kevin does is spreads that word and, uh, tries to inspire people to have that same mindset, uh, just through our, our example. And then also, uh, as a nonprofit, we are, uh, working to come alongside people and, um, empower them to live that out. And so uh, we're currently working on developing the backpack uh, in a more professional sense uh, that we could uh, provide the families and individuals with disabilities and then um, train people to carry them and help them, uh, train them as a team uh, to take care of each other. And then, uh, you know, even if a backpack isn't, involved, I think that there's a level of uh, developing relationships and, and helping people kind of rework their mindset uh, on what accessibility really is. It's, it's not so much about ramps and elevators and automatic doors, but it's about people helping people. I think of the fight that people with disabilities have had to allow them to be able to live independently. It's been an important civil rights movement dating back to the 70s. And, and there's been a lot of attention to the need to enable independency with the types of things you just talked about with ramps and, and accessibility. You're celebrating dependence and our, our need to rely on each other in a way. What's the message you want to convey? Uh, I would definitely say that uh, it is a level of dependence and realizing that um, dependency is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a handled properly and uh, in a healthy way um, and realizing that um, accessibility is a, it's a matter of, um, of, I guess you would say, a, a collaborative or a corporate effort um, of a community. Um, and I think our part of our message, too, is normalizing uh, disability and normalizing um, the need for help. Uh, so that it's not a big deal. I think one of my favorite things about my friends that help me is that um, it's not a burden. It's not an exception. It's just, you know, oh, you need 
our help with this. Well, you know, that's just life. That's how it goes. And, um, we want to do X, Y, and Z together. Well, then we're going to do it. And we, we work together to make that happen. Both a film and a book about your travels are being produced. What what's the status of these, and are they available yet, or do you have expected release dates? Um, so the film is done. Uh, we're just uh, doing some final tweaking on it, and then um, we are actually waiting to release it uh, for a while. Right now, we just want to uh, show it at special events around the country and the world. And uh, those doors are opening up, which is really exciting. Uh, so we started doing that, and then um, eventually we hope to release it online uh, through a distributor. Uh, and as far as the book goes, uh, I just turned in the, the uh, I just turned in the final edit uh, yesterday, which is pretty exciting. And uh, so that will uh, go to print this week as a preview copy, and then um, we'll be shopping it around to. Uh, publishers down the road. Is the film going to be shown at the Global Genes Rare Patient Advocacy event? Yeah, we're um, planning to show it. I believe it's Thursday night. Uh, we're going to show the film and then have a Q and A Q&A, uh, time as well. Kevin Chandler, author and advocate. Kevin, thanks so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. If you'd like to meet Kevin Chandler, learn more about his trip through Europe, and see the film that chronicles his journey with his friends. Join us for the Global Genes Rare Patient Advocacy Summit, September 14th and 15th in Irvine, California. For more information, go to globalgenes.org forward slash 2017 summit. Thanks for listening. For more information about rare disease and to connect to the rare disease community, go to globalgenes.org. To keep up on the latest news and trends affecting the rare disease community, be sure to visit raredaily.org. You can subscribe to the Rarecast RSS feed through raredaily.org or through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast manager. The Rarecast is produced for Global Genes by the Levine Media Group. You can also find our podcast, The Bio Report, on these popular podcast sites. Our theme music is composed by Jonah Levine and performed by the Jonah Levine Collective. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note at danny at levinemediagroup.com.